The table's not that heavy, guys. But <laughs> I just wanted you guys to know that because it's, it's really not that heavy. <laughs> awkward, yeah. It fits in well here at Sanctuary. Oh, man. Good morning, everybody. Again, my name is Edrin, one of the pastors here. Um, we are really grateful uh, to be here with you today um, and that you chose to worship with us today. Um, there are, um, and I say this a lot, and I actually mean it, there, there are some great churches in the Twin Cities. Um, I've served other ch- another church. Um, I attend or, or visit other churches from time to time. I know there are other options. And so each Sunday when I'm able to look at your faces, I don't take it for granted. That we really are grateful that people choose to be a part of what God is doing here at Sanctuary. And so we, we really do appreciate you, um, pray for you, and um, look forward to great things in your life. Uh, we are um, here at the beginning of this year. We're planning to use today's message as a bit of um, looking back to remember who we are as a Sanctuary Covenant Church, tell a little bit of our story as a sanctuary, um, and then begin to dream a little bit about what our future might look like together, especially through this year um, of 2019. I want to first, though, uh, make a few announcements. We had been talking in December about a stewardship form, and uh, for a couple weeks we passed it out in your bulletin, and we invited you to bring it back in January so that we might hear together how we as a church would connect, grow, serve, give, and invite um, this year. Uh, we we've decided to push that out a few weeks to January 26th. January 26th, the fourth Sunday of this month. Um, one, because it's the holidays and we get holiday brain and nobody remembers their homework on the first day of class. Um, the second reason is uh, that January 26th is a special date in the life of our church, and I'll talk about that in just a moment. Um, so on the fourth Sunday of this month, we invite you uh, to uh, bring that form back. We're also making it available online for you. You'll, if you are a part of Sanctuary Communication or if you receive communication from us, The Wire and other announcements, you'll receive an email this afternoon with that form electronically. Um, if you're not on that list, I invite you to stop by the welcome desk um, this afternoon uh, or after service here this morning and let Amy get your contact information so we can make sure you get that. We'll share it through the month of January. We invite you to be thinking about your giving, your serving, how you plan to connect, where you plan to grow, um, formation activities, life groups, those kinds of things, um, and who you might be inviting to come and be a part of what God's doing here at Sanctuary. And so that date is January 26th, fourth Sunday of this month. We also want to inform you today, um, a brother who has been an important part of the life of Sanctuary, uh, Brother Barry Huff. Um, Many of you may know by now, Barry passed away last Saturday evening. Um, We held his services here on yesterday morning, um, this place was packed um, from folks from all around the country and even folks who flew in from out of the country. Barry was a, a, a giant of a man. Um, he was larger than life. Um, not, he, he was a tall guy. F- physically, we were about the same. He was maybe a little stronger than me. He... <laughs> but beyond that, he, he, the, the shadow that he cast, he was an influential man in business and in the nonprofit world. And he mentored so many people that this place was filled up with folks who wanted to come and say 
Thank you to Barry. And it was a wonderful service, and I was grateful for how our church showed up to be a part of that celebration as well. His wife Becky and his daughter Hallie will need our prayers and support as they continue to go forward. And if you don't know how to get in touch with them, we would love to help you. So contact the church office. We can give you that information. Um, The last thing is that I want us to pray together as we jump into this word today. Um, I I believe God has something special to to share with us this morning. And so let's bow our heads and pray together as we jump into this word. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you brought us to the start of a new year. Thank you for being faithful and keeping us over the previous year. Lord, we are grateful for what you've done in the life of this church over the last 16 years. We ask, God, that you would help us to see perhaps what we can't see with our own eyes right now. Help us to do more than we believe is possible as a church. Father, I thank you for these brothers and sisters who gather weekly and throughout the week in life groups and in other settings to get to know one another, to grow together in faith. We pray, God, that 2019 would be a year of incredible blessing for all of us. We pray all these things in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to take you back to the year 2003. Super Bowl Sunday, January 26th, San Diego, California. The Oakland Raiders are playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, The Dixie Chicks are singing the national anthem. Uh, Shania Twain, No Doubt, and Sting are performing the halftime show. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, coached by John Gruden, but everybody knows it was actually Tony Dungy's team. (laughs) They defeated the Oakland Raiders, 48-21. And it was an incredible game, one of the highest-scoring Super Bowl games ever. Nearly 2,000 miles away here in the Twin Cities, a young man in his 30s by the name of Ephraim Smith and some friends gathered in a basement, in in a... downstairs part of a friend's house and during the halftime of the show of the Super Bowl perhaps they weren't really into Shania and no doubt and Sting but during halftime the story goes that Ephraim began to cast a vision for a church called Sanctuary that it would be a church that was different than perhaps the other churches they had been a part of before. Here's a quote that Ephraim shared that night as a part of casting the vision of sanctuary. He said, I believe there is a need for an urban, multi-ethnic, and holistic Christian community dedicated to transforming lives, discipleship, and community development. He said, there is a need in the city of Minneapolis for a new work that would take the risk of being a sneak preview of heaven. That last part there of being a sneak preview of heaven, of taking the risk of being a sneak preview of heaven is captivating for me. In the sanctuary, that vision was cast over and over and over. And Ephraim traveled to churches all around the Twin Cities, many suburban churches, casting that vision of what would become the Sanctuary Covenant Church. And the church grew. It was established and grew quickly. And now you and I are a part of that story as well. 
And as we consider together what the sanctuary will be in the days to come, I thought it would be worthwhile for us to take a moment and look back at what the sanctuary was supposed to be when they began together. One of the questions that I often get, especially from friends from the neighborhood who are walking through the parking lot or standing in front of Merwin's, is what kind of church is that? What kind of church is that? It could be a very simple question, but I believe it's a very deep question. So that's the title of my message today. What kind of church is this? What kind of church is this? And the question for us first is, what kind of church were they striving to be in the beginning? When Ephraim and others came together to begin the Sanctuary Covenant Church, what kind of church were they striving to be? There are six uh, quick labels that they would wrestle with and pull on from time to time that describe the kind of church that they were trying to be. The first is that they wanted to be a community church. Can you say that, a community church? I want to invite you to look at Acts 2, verse 42 through 47. Acts 2, verses 42 through 47. There should be a graphic that will also come on the screen. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Sanctuary from the very beginning was intended to be a community church. Community here in the sense of being a real fellowship, an actual fellowship, not just a Sunday church, but a church that was about sharing life together. Sanctuary was always intended to be a redeemed motley crew. Here's what I mean when I say Motley Crew, a roughly organized assembly of individuals and families of various backgrounds, various appearances, various ways of life who were called to worship Jesus together, to serve together, and to do life together. And although in 2019 the society looks very different than it did in the early church, in establishing sanctuary, its leaders wondered what it would look like to hearken back to those days where the church was never just a building or a service, but a people and a new community. Would you repeat after me? We can be a community church. Now, can you say it like you actually mean it? We can be a community church. Sanctuary Covenant Church from the very beginning was intended to be a community church. But not just a community church, it was intended to be a reconciling church. A reconciling church. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 through 20, Paul says this, All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, 
be reconciled to God. In Sanctuary's early days, this, this idea of connecting people to God and to one another was a part of what drove them. It was always intended to be a diverse church where many different kinds of people came together, but it was always meant to be more than just a diverse church. It was intended to be a reconciling church. How many of you know you can get diverse people in a room and not be reconciled? We are striving and have always strived to be a reconciling church. Sanctuary in its early days was not ashamed to say that the divisions that are based on race, class, and gender, they get in the way of people flourishing. They weaken the church's witness. They, they, they get in the way of people seeing Jesus. Nobody wants to hear about our Jesus when we can't even speak to someone who's different than us. We were always intended to be a reconciling church. And as a reconciling church, Sanctuary has always tried and will always try and have a heart to tear down walls and build bridges and tables instead. That's who we are. That's who we must strive to be. So can you say after me, we can be a reconciling church. Community church, a reconciling church. We were also always intended to be a holistic church, a holistic church. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 23 to 24, Paul says these words, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, your soul, and your body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. A holistic church. Churches often get caught up in dichotomous thinking. We're either this kind of church or we're that kind of church. We're either pro this or anti that. Sanctuary was never meant to be an either or church. Pastor Dennis would often talk about over the last six years being a church of the and, a church of the third way. And that was not new to Sanctuary. Since the very beginning, we were called to be a holistic church, a church that was concerned about both the soul and the body. We didn't simply do evangelism. We also wanted to do outreach. The soul and the body, both which are given to us by God, were seen as important to sanctuary. And so I want to encourage us today to remember that at our roots, we've always been called to be a holistic church. And so if you are the kind of person who only wants to do evangelism, make space in your heart for folks who are called to outreach as well. See them as a brother and a sister, not as someone to compete against, because we are called to be a holistic church. Can you say that? We can be a holistic church. Very similar, we were called to be a liberation church. A liberation church. Look at Luke chapter 4 with me. Luke chapter 4, Jesus returns to his hometown in Nazareth, and he goes to the synagogue and, and he uses the words of the prophet Isaiah to explain to the people what his ministry would be about, and it almost gets him killed. Here's what Luke chapter 4, verses 14 to 21 says. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. 
He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. And then he went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogues, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began saying to them, This scripture, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus lays out his mission statement, the kind of ministry he would be about, the sort of freedom and liberation. People were not yet ready for it because freedom was more centered on the poor, on the prisoner, on the blind, and on the oppressed. And freedom offered those folks deliverance. See, Jesus got in trouble in his hometown because he went beyond the ministry of help and he moved into the ministry of justice. Friends, there is woven into the DNA of this church a desire to be a part of God's liberating work in the city. From the very beginning, before there was ever a worship team or a podium or a table to bring out, Sanctuary was desiring to be a church of liberation that set people free. It's one thing to help people. It's another thing to help set people free. In our DNA, this church was influenced by the work of, of Christian community development. And Dr. John Perkins, who I heard say with my own ears that we ought to serve people in a way that they won't need us in the same way within a year. Why are we so afraid to set people free. That's who we were called to be. People don't want our handouts perpetually. People want to be able to be free. And we are called, have always been called a sanctuary, to go farther than helping, to do the work of liberating people. And so can you say that with me? We are a liberating church. We were called to also be a planting church. Now, we don't talk about that very often. And maybe I'll find out after service why we don't talk about it very often. (laughs) But in the beginning, Sanctuary talked a lot about being a planting church. Look at Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 3 with me. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. I want us to also look at verses 4 and 5. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they praised the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper. 
There has always been in the DNA of sanctuary a desire to raise up leaders and to expand the vision of this church to other places, other parts of the Twin Cities, and perhaps even other cities. There was much conversation over the years about the call to be more than simply a church, but something more like a movement. I wonder how you would respond to this question. Doesn't every community deserve a reconciling church? Doesn't every community deserve a holistic church? Doesn't every community deserve a liberation church? Doesn't other communities deserve a community church? We can't be the only one. And I believe if sanctuary is really called by God to do all these things that we believe she has been called to do, that the work expands beyond simply North Minneapolis. We are called. We have the potential to do something special, something God-honoring, something that could grow and flourish in other places because, and this is a good thing, this is a good thing that we believe we've found something special here, something that honors God in a special way, something that will reach people where other churches might not be able to, and we don't believe it all will stop here in this community. So we can be a planting church. If you believe that, would you say that with me? We can be a planting church. Finally, we are called to be a missionary church. Matthew 28, one of the most familiar passages in all of the scriptures, verses 18 through 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This was present in the beginning of sanctuary, and it's become especially important for us, especially under the leadership of Pastor Dennis. That is this idea that all of our priorities, all of our initiatives, all of our efforts are to be towards one end, are to have a singular goal in mind, and that is the goal of making disciples of Jesus Christ. The vision of a multiplying church, the, a, a community who makes disciples, who makes disciples, who makes disciples, this has been a part of who we are from the very beginning. That's who we are. That's who we must always be. Don't get confused by all of the things you see us doing. You should always be asking, to what end does it help us to make disciples? And I believe we've done a very good job of always coming back to the work of discipleship. And I hope that we, can never, we would never lose that as our focus, and that we can always be, regardless of anything about our church, that we can always be a missionary church. Can you say that with me? We can be a missionary church. A community church, a reconciling church, a holistic church, a liberation church, a planting church, a missionary church. That's a lot of work. That's a lot. A very audacious and bold vision for a church. And some of you may be getting a little anxious right now, like, can we do all of that? Is that even biblical to try to be that biblical? (laughs) 
what kind of church is this? We're a New Testament church who does all these things in following the call of Jesus. Sanctuary, we don't fit nicely into boxes. In fact, we go out of our way to work ourselves out of boxes. Most categories don't really work on us. When people come with preconceived notions and certain unfounded expectations, they find themselves increasingly frustrated. So when we ask the question, what kind of church is this? We're a church of people simply trying to be who God called us to be. I don't know a label that actually fits us well. This is a very audacious vision. And so how do we continually find hope to help us to see that we can actually be this kind of church? I believe we find it in God's word. And we find it in the truth of God that says God is faithful and that God is able. God is faithful and God is able. Where do we find hope in knowing that God is faithful and that God is able? Ephesians 3, chapter 20. It's one of my favorite verses in all of the scriptures. And here's, here's what Paul says. He says, Now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that's at work in us. Now to him who is able to do exceeding, exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. That's what gives me hope. The fact that when I look at Ephesians 3, I know it's a book for the church. It's a book about God's people. It's a book about us. It was a book that was written to the church in Ephesus, but was passed on to other churches. I'll go even further. I would say Ephesians 3 was written exactly for churches like us because it describes who and where we were apart from God. And then... It describes God's work in molding us into a new people, a new community. Chapter 3 of Ephesians tells of the journey of moving from ratchet to righteousness. Some of you didn't know you were ratchet at some point. The Holy Spirit told me to remind you that we were all ratchet at some point. And God has, by his grace, moved us to being righteous. And Paul prays, after talking about that journey, Paul says he prays for us that we would be strengthened, that Christ would dwell in our hearts, that we would be rooted and established in love, that we would have power to grasp how wide and how long and how deep is the love of Jesus. And Paul prays that we would be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And in the midst of a very profound prayer, Paul pauses and offers us hope by giving us a glimpse of who God is. Paul says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. Paul offers us hope in three simple statements. First, that God is not limited by our asking. God's goodness is not limited by our asking. God blesses in ways that we don't even know to ask for. That's what gives me hope, knowing that God will bless this church far beyond even what we ask for this church. God is not limited by our asking. 
And God is not limited by our imagination. I would add to that God's not limited by our intellect either. Paul describes it this way, that there's a love that goes beyond knowledge. Sometimes we limit what God's able to do because we can't imagine it. We can't wrap our minds around it. We're a very educated church, but even our intellect might sometimes get in the way of God blessing in the way that he wants us to be blessed. God is not limited by our asking. He's not limited by our imagination or our intellect. And the third reminder that gives me hope is simply this. God's power is at work in God's people. That's you. That's not just the folks that stand in this stage, not just the folks who have a title, pastor or reverend or doctor or whatever. God's power is at work in God's people, and that's you. That gives me hope for the Sanctuary Covenant Church because God is faithful, because God is able, because God is not limited by our asking or our imagination, because God's power is at work in us. Brothers and sisters, I pray that in 2019 and beyond, we would have the courage to live out our faith in the world in real and tangible ways, that we would have the courage to move our faith beyond simply a set of ideals and theories and doctrines that we argue about on Facebook, that we would have the courage to bring our faith out of the clouds and onto the block. Our theme for 2019, I said all that to say this, <laughs> our theme for 2019 is two simple words, live Jesus. Live Jesus. Simple words, but if we grasp the concept of it, even just a little bit, it will change everything about us. When we talk about living Jesus, we're talking about pressing into the outward expressions of our faith those that happen beyond Sunday and outside the walls of this church. When we talk about living Jesus, we're talking about considering the ways in which saying yes to Jesus is also a yes to the ways of Jesus. When we say live Jesus throughout this year, when we go back to that theme over and over again, we're asking what does it mean for us to live in Jesus, for us to live for Jesus, for us to live like Jesus, for us to live with Jesus. This year, we're all about living Jesus. Live Jesus. Not argue about Jesus, but live Jesus. Not, not talk about what Jesus would have not done and whatever it is you spend your days doing. We're talking about living Jesus, finding as a church what it is for us to live on these streets in the way that Jesus calls us to do. All of our subjects and verbs won't line up this year, but we're going to live Jesus. We might make both political parties angry with us this year, but we're going to live Jesus. Some familiar things that we've always done might go away, but we're going to live Jesus. We honor the past. We are not limited by the past. Our hope this year is that we will live Jesus. When this community looks at us sanctuary, will they see Jesus? When they hear us talk, will they hear Jesus? When we hug them and shake their hand, will they feel Jesus?
And when they're done interacting with us, will they know Jesus? I believe the answer is absolutely yes. Not because I say so, but I believe that's what you always wanted. That's what brought you here. And we're going to do that together this year. I want to invite our worship team to come forward. And I want to pray for us as we move into this year of living Jesus. This year of bringing Jesus to the block, or joining Jesus on the block. He's already there. This year, of starting here on the corner of Broadway and Aldridge and spreading all into this neighborhood and all over the Twin Cities, wherever our lives take us, we're going to live Jesus together. That's our goal. That's our hope. That's our prayer. That's what we're going to go after this year. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity that we have to do your work, to be your people, to serve your people. God, we thank you for what started 16 years ago in a basement on Super Bowl Sunday. And we thank you for over the years, all the iterations of that mission and vision. We thank you for the great people who have come and served and those you've called away. We thank you for our leaders, Pastor Ephraim, Pastor Cecilia, Pastor Kevin, Pastor Dennis. We thank you, God, for this season, for what we are becoming now. And we ask, oh God, that we would have the courage to hear you and trust you, to believe that we can be more because you've called us to be more. Your word says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we might ask or think according to the power at work in us. We believe, God. We're pressing into that this year. That's our dream. That's our vision for 2019. So would you bless us to live into it in Jesus' name. We pray. I want to invite the worship team to just sing a little bit of that song. And then we're going to set up communion in a moment.